We'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for April 6th, 2014. Continuing on with the same theme, here is a report entitled Get Out of the Military, Don't Enlist by uh, Debbie Kidd. This is from NewsWithViews.com. This is from September 1st, 2013. Starts out, she says, For those unfamiliar with my personal life, I'm married to a retired U.S. Army colonel who spent 27 years in honorable service. This report isn't about hating members of our military. Now, hopefully you know that's not what this report is about for me either. I mean, because, like I said, my first testimony I gave about this, I have a huge soft spot for these troops and these veterans, okay? It's not about hating the, the the military men, it's about hating what the government is doing to them and about exposing it and loving people enough to tell them the truth about this. So, this, is, this report isn't about hating members of our military, it's about the planned internal destruction of our armed forces, morally and spiritually. Only someone who hasn't been following what's been going on in our military can deny the deliberate attack on Christians serving in uniform. Especially since the don't ask, don't tell policy was done away with, with allowing sexual deviants to flaunt their sin and filth. While we have always supported our troops, that was it for our family. Meaning when that happened. Only a fool couldn't see what would happen once the sodomites and the lesbians were let out of their closets. Here's the fruit. In 2010, 10,700 men raped in the U.S. military. Here's a link to it if you don't believe it. These are statistics. Real statistics. 10,700 men raped. You think about women. Tons of women raped in the military. These are men. I'm sure it's way worse for the women. In that regard. But it's pretty bad for the men too. I mean this is worse than going into like a a federal prison somewhere. Where you'd worry about that. The numbers were bad enough. Before the DADT. um, Don't ask don't tell. Was repealed in July of 2011. But it's escalated. Um, The majority of sexual assaults and rapes committed in the military in 2011. Were against men. Now, there's more men there, obviously. But the majority of the sexual assault and rapes were against men. I mean, whoa. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Victims of sexual assaults in the military are mostly men. There were 14,000 in 2012. So 10,700 in 2010. And this is what they're admitting to. Who knows how much worse it is. It had increased to 14,000 in 2012. I can't can't even comprehend these kind of numbers. Military sodomite abuse, this is a link. Military sodomite abuse, the untold story. These are all links. Everything everything I've cited has a different link to it that proves it. The one, I mean, the the one, the 14,000 in 2012, that was in the Washington Times. There's a link to it right here. It's not like they're even trying to hide it. 
Many of the victims are too ashamed to come forward, so we really don't know how high the numbers actually are. I mean, yeah, you gotta, I mean, that is, that is the most demeaning way you could possibly strip a man of his dignity, manhood, you name it. You couldn't do a whole lot worse than that. I don't even, you know what I mean? So, you know, who knows? I mean, can you imagine going, as, as a man, going up to your, your commanding and saying, hey, yeah, Sarge, you know, I, I, I feel, you know, bad, but I, I got raped by the guys last night. I really think that probably the majority wouldn't come forward just out of shame alone, much less the retribution they may receive at the hands of this gay, um, like, mafia. I've heard that term bantered around this week about the gay mafia. Oh, they're, they're evil, man. It's like, Sod- look at Sodom and Gomorrah. Were they evil in Sodom and Gomorrah? That is what happens when you let a gay population, particularly gay men, take over a city. They get to the point where, you know what? We want to have sex with your buddy, the one, that, the, the angel. Lot was trying to bring in, the good angel. And the angel had to blind him. And they were groping for the door where they could have sex with this angel. That's how desperate they were. They wanted, I guess what they would term as fresh meat. That's what they wanted. This is what happens when you let a group of gay people, men particularly, take over a city. Or the military. They will get to this point. Does it sound like in Lot's day they were ruling the city? Yeah. Sounds like they were pretty much the ones in charge. They had pretty much defiled everybody, which is one of the best ways to implant devils in people. It's, it's well known in the occult. Sodomization of a man or a woman is one of the best ways to implant devils in them. It's a proven fact that, that um, gay men in particular, what the, the most um, highly corroborating fact is that they were abused by a same-sex partner at an early age, meaning a man abused a boy at an early age. He infused them with devils through sodomy, and guess what? Now they're gay. It's the devils. It's not that they were born that way. It's the devils. Now, could you have a generational curse, predisposition? Sure, yeah. But they've done they've done the reports. There's no difference in the brains. That that research was done by gay guys in San Francisco. And they still couldn't even get their facts straight on that. I reported on this. Oh, our brains are different. No, they're not. Yeah, they're more demon infested. I'm telling you. And what does it say? Jesus Christ said, yes, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. But what does he say after that? Also, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Which is where we're at right now, right on the cusp of the end times. Right on the cusp of the tribulation. What was going on in Lot's day? What what marks Lot in the Bible? Sodom and Gomorrah. Doesn't get much worse. So bad that God had to rain down fire and brimstone and kill every single one of them in the city other than Lot and his two daughters. His wife got turned into a pillar of salt for just looking back. That's how wicked the city was. It's happening to our military. 
It's happening to our cities, big metropolitan cities. Cities are, are, are a focal point for this type of behavior. It's just always been the case. Sin begets sin. Defiles the land. This type of activity defiles the land. It says that in the Bible. Gay, men with men, women with women in the Old Testament. It defiles the land. Or bestiality. Literally brings a curse on the land. So I'm just, I'm not, you know, I've done many teachings on this. Um, you know, you can have a bunch of flaming gay guys that act real nice... But you let them go. You let them get down the road a little bit. You let them take over. And we'll see how nice they are. We'll see how it turns out. There's going to come a point where they stop being nice. I'm telling you. All I have to do is look at the Bible to know that. So, I'm just saying... They don't know how high the numbers are. On the rapes. I, I, I just know it's male human nature. This is not something you're going to want to get. Springing into the Master Sergeant's office saying, Oh, hey, Master Sergeant, I got sodomized by everybody last night. And I want to report it. I want to do my duty. Uh-uh. <laughs> That's not happening. Guaranteed. The U.S. military has become the biggest, most aggressive promoter of sodomy Dozens and dozens of lav- what they call lavender diseases contracted by sodomites and HIV and AIDS in the world. Um, here we have a report Fort Bliss leads army installations with most HIV infections in the last two years. All of our recent cases have been the result of men having unprotected sex with men. Really? Yeah. I mean, this is really sick. African American and Latino soldiers were affected disproportionately and in far greater numbers. I'm not saying that because I'm prejudiced. I'm quoting the article. Uh, Here's another one. Navy HIV infections already on the rise and continue to rise. Every one of those heterosexual men raped by a sodomite now faces years of stress and anxiety waiting to see if he has contracted HIV or AIDS. Can you imagine? So do their girlfriends and wives. This was what was unleashed by even allowing sexual deviants to serve in the military under the Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Let's not forget about the blood transfusions in the combat zones. Why should a member of our military... Um, married or not, be forced to live with the stress and anxiety for years if they receive blood on the battlefield. Meaning, okay, you got blood from one of your combat buddies who's a sodomite. He's got AIDS. The incubation period for AIDS is about 10 years. So you don't know. You could you could have AIDS and not know it for a long time. They could be in the incubation period. You get their blood and you get AIDS. That's fair. That's what I'm sure they signed up for in the military, to be sodomized, to be vaccinated with 36 different vaccines, to be exposed to depleted uranium, 
to get on SSRI drugs, to be used up, thrown away, disposable American troop mentality, and, and all the other stuff I've listed. Man, I can't imagine a worse place to be as far as any kind of career path. Any member of of any branch of the military who is HIV positive or diagnosed with AIDS should be given a discharge and mustered out immediately. Absolutely. Well, they're, they're risking the lives of everyone around them. I resent having to pay massive medical bills to treat sexual deviants in the military for their dangerous, preferred behavior in the sack. That's what Debbie says, and I, I agree. If you haven't read the book, The Pink Swastika, Homosexuality in the Nazi Party, I highly recommend you do so. It's a real eye-opener. There's a link to the book here. I've mentioned this book many times. You always, you always have that behavior at the highest levels of, of uh, government, as particularly as the government becomes more corrupt. Look, look, at, look at Obama. I mean, they've got a name roomed, they got a, a name, a, a room named after him, a couple different rooms named after him at the gay um, bathhouse in Chicago that he used to frequent as a state senator. Now, when he started to run for president, he kind of stopped. At least if they did, they were smuggling him in the back door. Everybody knew about it. That's why they couldn't believe that they that this guy, like the gay community in Chicago, all knew about it. That's why they couldn't believe. I mean, he was a, he was a flamer. A cross-dressing, transvestite flamer since high school. His high school classmates reported on it. The gay community in Chicago reported all these gay lovers that he's had that have all turned up dead. Oh, coincidentally enough, and this is our wonderful president. So you better believe he's going to protect them. This is the kind of sick, wicked, twisted, disgusting world we live in. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what other way to put it. I mean, I can't really sugarcoat this. If we don't know about it, we have no idea to even pray about something like this. And, and the the average churchgoer is not getting this type of information at all. I've I've done several teachings on this. Um, I give you a link to a lot of the teachings I've done on the whole gay. You can also can homosexual, or gay in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. In the military today, if you don't accept the pernicious lie that sexual deviants are born that way, you will face retaliation. This is back to the article report. Um, Here's another report. Airmen punished for objecting to gay marriage. Quote, I was relieved of my position because I don't agree with my commander's position on gay marriage. Senior Master Sergeant, Philip Monk told Fox News, we've been told that if you publicly say that homosexuality is wrong, you are in violation of Air Force policy, end of quote. I have reported on this over and over and over again. I I, I wouldn't even know where to begin. All of the reports I've done on this subject. Every time you turn around, there's another report coming out. Here's one military chaplain being punished for speaking about God. Another one, Air Force officer told to remove Bible from desk. Another one, Air Force censors chaplain over the no atheist in the foxhole essay. God is in every foxhole has been replaced with the toxic, destructive policies of promoting the death cult of Islam over Christianity. Now that's a whole other issue. So the, the two biggest protected classes in the military right now are Islam, 
who is bent on our total annihilation and destruction as infidels. And the Quran tells them to kill us and to behead us and to slay us and to lie to us and to cheat us. Okay? That's what the Quran tells them to do, to be good Muslims. I'm not making this stuff up. And then the other protected class, the other group of reprobates, is the homosexuals and the lesbians. The two most wicked classes in the military, numbers-wise especially, they are the ones that have the most, by far, protection. Thank you, Uncle Sam. You're out for our best interest, no doubt about it. How could we ever doubt that? Even witches are a protected class in our military now. Now, the enemy uh, in our military are those who identify themselves as Christians. Absolutely. We are the enemy. Troops for years have been subjugated to constant barrage of anti-Christian propaganda targeting Christians. Throughout this report, and throughout almost typically all the reports I read, there's multiple links where you can click on them and find out more. You can, oh, no, I believe, okay, well, there's a link you can click on to prove what the last statement said. Open hostility to Christians in the U.S. military will get worse as time goes on. After all, we mustn't offend the gays and the Muslims. Um, here's another report that says, Army forsakes combat hero for Muslims. <laughs> You've obviously known how much I've reported on Islam and Muslims. Just key that in the keyword search box. So, on that note, let's let's watch this video. It's a sh- we're going to play a few short videos coming up here. This first one is called Soviet Sweden. The model nation sliding into now a third world status. Sweden uh, is a wealthy, beautiful, modern, but Islam is quickly changing all of that. The one UN report says it will soon be a third world nation, thanks to Islam. I've reported recently what's been going on, I believe it was in like Norway, and these... Areas where Islam is just totally taking over. And these people are just so passive over there in these countries. And they just don't want to be confused, uh, con- uh, um, uh, accused of being intolerant. Whereas Islam is the most intolerant death cult on the face of the planet. It's intolerant of everything other than Islam. But you better tolerate Islam. You know, if you know what's good for you. So here's the first here's the first YouTube video here. When President Obama visited Sweden last year, he expressed his admiration for the Swedish model. And that should make Americans nervous, because a United Nations report says Sweden will be a third world nation in about fifteen years, below Libya and Bulgaria. Sweden is a society that believes it is racing into the future, but critics warn that it's racing to the bottom. Welcome to Utopia, also known as Sweden. Sweden has been a laboratory of social experiments. Swedish leaders believe they're building the perfect society. And Sweden has been compared to a couple of nations which also tried to build perfect societies, North Korea and the Soviet Union. If you don't like how Utopia is being built here, you won't be shot like in North Korea. But your life could become very unpleasant, very... Well, not yet, at least. You have to understand, wherever Islam goes, the more that it starts to gain a foothold, the more it becomes dominant in a society, the further that society degrades every single time. Cultural, body, soul, spirit, every type of decay. That is the fruit of Islam. Quickly. 
Hallå, hallå. Jimmy Fredriksson från Expressen. Jimmy Fredriksson? Ja. Ja, har du? This is a... Uh, okay, I'll let explain. Journalist from one of Sweden's leading tabloids confronting a Swede at his home. The man, a professor, made what he thought were anonymous negative comments on a website about immigrant problems in Sweden. But left-wing hackers helped the newspaper track him down and others like him so that they could be exposed before the whole nation as racist. So what these what these spineless Islamic devils do is this guy had thought he had posted anonymous um, comments about immigrants, which always means Islam, coming in and how that's ruining the country. Well, you know what? These these um, Islamic hackers got in and found out his true identity, and they sent a journalist out here, a thought police out there, to to say, oh, you know what? We found you. In fact, we're going to write stories about you. You're racist, and you better watch your back. This is what Islam is. Total evil. This man, a manager, was fired because of it. Sweden's leftist establishment and media believe a cornerstone of their perfect society is multiculturalism. Large-scale immigration from some of the poorest, most backward nations on earth. And Swedes who disagree with that plan risk being labeled racist. And again, this is Islam. They're showing Islamic people without saying uh, as much as I think they should be saying it in this report. It's Islam that they're in reference to. Even Nazi. The rules of the game in Sweden is to avoid being hostile to immigration. It's the most important point to prove that you're friendly towards foreigners, you're friendly towards immigration. Danish journal. And yet the foreigners, these, is, these Islamic devils, would no sooner th- slit your throat and have you bleed out in the street. But it's important that you're nice to them, though. See, that's all that really matters. Mikael Jolving is author of the book Absolute Sweden. It's all about whether or not you can be said to be hostile to immigration. Once that is proven, proven, uh, I mean, you're out of the game. It doesn't matter if Sweden's immigration model is failing miserably, if test scores in Swedish schools are plummeting, or if crime in some areas has skyrocketed. Immigrants... All thanks to Islam burned the Stockholm suburb of Hughesby for over a week last year. Many hey, they only burned a suburb for over a week because they were probably mad because they ran some cartoon about Allah or something or Muhammad. You know, meanwhile, they can go rape, pillage, kill, steal, do whatever they want, but you better keep your mouth shut about that. There's no double standard here at all. Jews now live in fear of attacks by Muslim immigrants and are leaving. This former journalist for Swedish radio left last year and returned to her native Somalia. She told Swedish television that Mogadishu was safer than the immigrant suburbs in Stockholm. Mogadishu? Which is like an absolute terrorist, Islamic terrorist hotbed? She moved back there. That's how bad it is in the the Swedish, Swedish enclaves where Islam is. I mean, that's like, wow, that, that's almost incomprehensible. And forget about an American-style melting pot in which immigrants will someday learn to become Swedish. That's a racist idea, too. Yalving says Swedes are supposed to learn from immigrants and not the other way around. Assimilation is completely out of the question. Who says assimilation is completely I mean, out of the question? Everybody in, in all, all mainstream political parties and media and platforms would, I mean, would laugh a laugh about the, the word assimilation is a Nazi word in Sweden. We talk to so, in other words, what that means is that the, the 
Islam thinks the concept of assimilation in any way, shape, or form into any kind of culture that they move into is an absolute laughing stock. In other words, they're not going to go in there and try to to um, use any type of manners, any type of of um, of accommodation to other people of other faiths, of other belief systems. No. It's the boot of Islam across your throat. You like it, or you shut up, or we kill you. This is where it always ends up. You know, but it's like, okay, conversely, you know, you don't see all of these other people in Sweden trying to shove their belief systems down Islam, because Islam would just laugh at that. But they expect you to, to, to take everything that they give you know, in spades, and you're just supposed to sit there and take it and do nothing. Several journalists who described a Stalinist-style atmosphere in Sweden in which citizens are now afraid of saying anything that might get them labeled in the media as racist. And then you got all of these people running around that are so scared to death of offending anybody and because that's kind of the society over there. That they're all running around, walking around on eggshells to go, oh, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't, I don't want to be labeled as a, whatever, a racist. Meaning, and Islam's the biggest racist that there are. There's nobody that are more biased and hypocritical and evil as far as, as, far as a, a religion on planet Earth than Islam. They're like this gigantic bully that wherever they go, they just go around punching people in the face constantly figuratively, literally bloodying their noses, and they say, take it, like it. We're not going to assimilate to you. You're going you're gonna to like what we're doing to you. And, and, and that's as exact, and I, I can't stand bullies. You know, and they are the quintessential essence of a religious, dictatorial, demon-possessed bully. Everywhere they go, it's the same fruit. You say you're a racist. Then you will have no career, no job, you might lose your family. Swedish journalist. So it, it just, you, you're accused of being a racist. You say one thing against Islam that doesn't line up with what you're supposed to do. You're done. You're done in these countries. I mean, it, this is just beyond insanity. Dingrid Karlqvist and Danish journalist Lars Hedegaard run the online newspaper Dispatch International, which covers issues like immigration that the mainstream media in Sweden ignores. But Karlqvist says their plan for a traditional newspaper failed because Swedes were too scared to have the paper delivered to their homes. Because what if the mailman saw that you had this newspaper? What if your neighbor saw it? Then they might think that you are a racist or that you hate Muslims. So we saw, you, you know, it, it gets to that point. You know, it, the 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 society in general has let that happen. I'm not saying we're not heading down the same road in America, but this is why you have to have a backbone in the early stages of things. You let things go this far. You try to be politically correct. You try to appease evil. It never works. The devil will never stop taking. A fire can never get enough fuel where it's quenched. You understand where a fire is satisfied. Can you ever throw enough wood on a fire where the fire is finally satisfied? That's what religions like Islam are. Or anything that's that's purely satanic. They'll never, ever get enough. We could sort of make an impact. We still think we can, but it's, um, it's uh, tough going. 
Dispatch International now hangs on through donations. Sweden has become a nation where some viewpoints are simply too risky to even read. What wise Swedish parents do nowadays is to advise their kids not to interfere in the public discussion, not to express so-called radical ideas about this or that. A, because, why? Why do they advise them? Because they're afraid. Whether- I just picture a bunch of spineless, quivering bowls of jelly on two legs walking around, afraid of their own shadow at this point. And this is exactly where Satan wants us all. Not, that their this kids is, won't get work? Yeah, they, they, it, it'll harm them. That is a very bad situation, because you live then in a country where you cannot solve any problems. You cannot even, you cannot even mention the problems. Hedegaard, a Dane, was nearly killed last year in Copenhagen by an immigrant who came to his door and fired a gun at him. Karlquist is sweet. Oh, what a religion of peace. He said something in his newspaper that one of these Muslim devils didn't like, and they come and try to kill him. Because they're a religion of peace, and they're so tolerant of other people. ...has decided to leave Sweden because of the persecution of those who dissent. Sweden is not going to become a third world nation tomorrow, but according to one report, one day it will. We had a perfectly good country, a rich country, a nice country, and in a few years' time, that country will be gone. Dale Hertz, CBN News, reporting from Sweden and Denmark. So this is what they're doing everywhere around the globe, governments. Here, it's the illegal aliens pouring in from Mexico. There's also a lot of Islamic people coming in through the open borders from Mexico. And and we've got uh, ever-expanding, increasing Islamic sleeper cells and towns springing up and and almost getting to the point of Islamic no-go zones where you can't go in there. Those, those days, you know, it's coming here too, but they're doing this, uh, uh, Europe's ahead of us. From a geographical standpoint, it was easier to infiltrate those areas more quickly than it was the United States. And now they're further down the road, more purely with Islam in so many different European countries. And the fruit is always 100% massively, satanically rotten. Every time. There's no exceptions. But, you know, that's all by design. It's all part of the New World Order's plan to bring about a one-world government, and that implies creating order out of chaos. The chaos that Islam will bring, in part, will help to create this New World Order that they're going to to bring about. And the whole shock and awe and and, and putting you in fear and, and using this satanic religion to literally do the bidding of Satan. That's what Islam is. So Taylor asked me, she said, um, is there people in our government that are um, Islamic, that have been you know, put there, that will have control over our military when things get bad? And absolutely, 100%. That's been not just the military, but also in all, really, branches of the government, really since Obama got into office, because... Not only is a flaming transvestite cross-dressing sodomite, but he's also um, a Muslim. And that's been the whole cover-up with his birth certificate, which has been a scam from day one. The fact that he was raised a Muslim, he's admitted to that, though. You know, you just don't, it's not like a club you just kind of go in and get out of and, okay, we'll, we'll see you later. I think I want to try something else here. No, it's not like that with Islam. So he's a Muslim as well, he's a communist, socialist, whatever you want to call him, but I mean, he's, he's all of those things, and he's installed a lot of wicked uh, 
people and policies regarding Islam uh, into our government. So I found this little video, I'm just going to play some of it, that kind of goes over a, a little bit of that as well. All to avoid addressing the real threat. Seemingly endless apologies are offered by America's leaders to people who are chronically offended and willing to threaten or use violence against us even without any pretext. So they're showing all of these apologies that have been issued by Leon Panetta, Obama, about, oh, we're so sorry that we offended you, or, or that somebody that did some Quran burning in America offended you. You know, we have to just tiptoe around, treat them with kid gloves like they're the most wonderful things since sliced bread. And yet they can go and just rape, steal, kill, pillage, and do whatever they want. The constant apologies amount to groveling and are understood as the submission of an entire nation. So how does the Defense Department train the military following this incident? By teaching it to submit to whatever our enemy says is sacred. To the noble people of Afghanistan, Salamu alaikum. FBI Director Robert Mueller that, that was a military guy saying that. Met with top Muslim Brotherhood operatives in early 2012 to announce that hundreds of terrorism training documents and briefings they might deem offensive would be purged from the Bureau's files, giving Islamist fronts effective control over what the FBI is allowed to know and practice in countering jihadism. The Obama Pentagon shamefully described the murderous rampage that self-proclaimed soldier of Allah Nidal Hassan committed at Fort Hood as having nothing to do with Islam and called it instead an incident of workplace violence. Ah, uh, workplace violence, even though he did it because he was literally in jihad or Islamic holy war. He did it on purpose. It was premeditated. But it's okay, because he's Islamic, so we got to give him a break, you know, because he's a good guy deep down. As these examples suggest, more than 10 years after 9-11, we're losing, not winning, the real war. The one being waged by jihadists against America. The truth of the matter is that we can kill as many semi-literate bad guys as possible, in the world's most hellish backwaters. But as long as we ignore, or worse yet, empower and submit to the toxic ideology they share with highly educated and well-spoken Islamists in this country and elsewhere, we are doomed to defeat. By allowing our attention to be focused exclusively on the danger and prevention of terrorism, we ignore the many other ways we are being attacked. Specifically, we're missing what our Islamist enemies call their civilization jihad, a form of warfare that employs manipulative financial techniques, lawfare, infiltration of our civil institutions and government, and insidious information dominance. Together, these have the effect of exploiting our liberties and governing structures against us so that our leaders wind up imposing the very anti-American values that our enemies promote. Welcome to the Muslim Brotherhood in America, 
The Enemy Within, a 10-part web-based video briefing that is designed to explain why and how this is happening. It addresses a threat most Americans are unaware even exists within our country, let alone the degree of peril it represents. The threat is the totalitarian, supremacist Islamic doctrine its adherents call Sharia, and the organized, disciplined, and increasingly successful efforts such adherents, most especially the Muslim Brotherhood, have in bringing it here. My name is Frank Gaffney. I'm the president of the Center for Security Policy in Washington, D.C., a national security, research, and public policy advocacy organization founded in 1988. We've been working to awaken America to the enemy within and its agenda since before September 11, 2001. This course is a distillation of all we've learned. It's available for free via our website, muslimbrotherhoodinamerica.com, in the hope of encouraging, informing, and broadening support for national efforts to defeat the insinuation into this country of Sharia's anti-constitutional and seditious program. This executive summary provides but a very brief overview of the course. You're encouraged to view as much of the contents of the ten parts as possible, to share them with others, and to act on the recommendations offered in the concluding part ten. The course helps to explain and show the linkages between myriad aspects of the threat posed to America by Sharia and its adherents in five areas. We start by examining the nature of that threat and the most dangerous promoters of Sharia's agenda, the Muslim Brotherhood. The course draws on the extensive research and findings of a distinguished group known as Team B2, made up of 19 former senior U.S. military and civilian officials and other experts, contained in a book entitled Sharia, The Threat to America. It can be downloaded for free at www.shariathethreat.com. In Arabic, Sharia literally means the path. While many millions of Muslims do not practice their faith in accordance with this doctrine, mainstream Islam dictates that faithful Muslims must conform to the dictates of this complete way of life. In practice, however, Sharia is a comprehensive, totalitarian, and supremacist Islamic politico-military legal program. Of particular relevance to this course are the attributes of Sharia that make it an instrument for totalitarian control in the political, military, and legal spheres. These include its brutally repressive character, its especially inequitable and oppressive treatment of women, religious minorities, homosexuals, and those who leave the faith, among others, and its adherents' ambitions to impose it worldwide. Taken together, these attributes define Sharia's essential character. It's not primarily about faith. It's about power. As a result, anti-constitutional and seditious facets of the practice of Sharia can and must be prosecuted, not protected as religious freedom. By definition, the power that its adherents here want Sharia to accrue must come at the expense of our Constitution and the rights it guarantees. 
Any Muslim who says otherwise either doesn't understand Sharia or wants to keep you from understanding it, a practice known as taqiyya, or lying for the faith. The Muslim Brotherhood is the organization that is the driving force behind the effort to secure Sharia's dominance worldwide, and the most adept at the use of taqiyya and other stealthy techniques to accomplish it under our noses. The Muslim Brotherhood's goals are indistinguishable from those of Al-Qaeda and other so-called radical, extremist, or Salafist Muslims. The difference between the two groups is simply one of timing and tactics. This identity of objectives between the brothers and the others can be seen in the Muslim Brotherhood creed. Allah is our objective. The Prophet is our leader. The Quran is our law. Jihad is our way. Dying in the way of Allah is our highest hope. The Course examines in some detail the Brotherhood's ominous infrastructure and operations in this country. A most important insight into the Muslim Brotherhood's endeavors in America can be found in a strategic plan written in 1991. At the time, the author, a top brother in this country named Muhammad Akram, declared that his group's purpose in our country is to destroy Western civilization from within, by our own hands, and the hands of Sharia's adherents. Attached to the strategic plan was a list of organizations the Muslim Brotherhood's Akram declared were either the brothers or those of their friends. Even today, the groups on that list still constitute the most prominent Muslim organizations in the country. And the fact that so few non-Muslims are aware of these organizations' ties to the Brotherhood attests to the success of its efforts to wage civilization jihad stealthily in America. The course explores, in turn, eight of the stealthy techniques the Muslim Brotherhood is using here in the United States. It pays particular attention to the last of those civilization jihadist techniques, how our civil society institutions and government at every level and under both political parties have been penetrated by the Muslim Brotherhood and other Islamists. We start with the inroads made during the Clinton presidency by another top Muslim brother, Abdurrahman Alamudi, a convicted felon now in federal prison on terrorism-related charges. So this just goes on, I, I believe, to get into further examples. It's a ten-part teaching. So if you want to know more about how America has been infiltrated, um, this, is, this looks like about the best thing I've seen. Uh, very professional and very well documented. Um, so this is something that you could avail yourself to. Now I'm going to go ahead and make sure that this link to this video is available. I'm going to put it with the the um, right under the um, the video we just saw on Sweden and a link to their website. So if you want to avail yourself to that, uh, you can do that as well. Okay, so I just added that video in. So you can click on the lead video, and then I believe the other videos um, are also there to view. It looks like a really good overview of what they're actually doing in this country. Uh, <clears throat> now, let's switch gears again, and this one is entitled, this short video is entitled, uh, Pope Francis to be seen worldwide in 3D, like a holographic image, on April 27th. So now we're getting into the whole potential for Project Blue Beam and holographic images and maybe getting us used to this concept. 
Here the Pope, Mr. You know, pure evil himself is going to have this going. Now, this is from Dabu7, and I know I've played some videos from him in the past. I'm not endorsing his theology, okay? I know that he's not <laughs> good theologically, okay? But there are some things you can glean um, from his channel. And this video was a pretty good synopsis. It's only, it's like less than five minutes, but it's a pretty good synopsis of this whole thing of the Pope... Um, what he's going to be doing on the uh, on the 27th. So, again, we're just gleaning here. This is Dabu7. i got a huge announcement here for everyone on something that's about to take place. It's going to be the first time in history an event like it has been seen. What is about to take place is Pope Francis is about to be seen globally in 3D for free. He is teaming up with Rupert Murdoch's Sky Italia, and they have orchestrated to beam this across the globe. This will be on April 27th, and I know many people, when they think about this, they think about Project Blue Beam in the skies. That may indeed be the end result. But with So he's teaming up with Rupert Murdoch, which is one of the most wicked devils that have ever walked the planet. I've done a teaching on um, Rupert Murdoch and um, also uh, Rick Warren, because guess what? Rupert Murdoch, the media mogul, is goes to uh, Saddleback Church. He's a proud card-carrying member of Rick Warren's church. And um, I, the teaching is Rick Warren and Rupert Murdoch, Saddleback's most infamous member. Uh, let me just read you some of this uh, from the table of contents. Mega pastor and apostate hireling Rick Warren is being challenged by other Christian leaders for not disciplining a prominent member of his California Saddleback Church flock for being one of the world's leading pornographers. That would be Rupert Murdoch. So the Pope is teaming up with one of the world's leading pornographers, Rupert Murdoch, who is the chairman of News Corps, which in addition to building a media empire through nude models and edgy pushing the envelope Fox TV news shows, recently began a stable of hardcore porn channels from its B Sky B subsidiary. So now he's doing hardcore porn, which, you know, hey, you got two vile reprobates from the pit of hell teaming up. You know, it's a match made in hell. I, I mean, I think it's a good idea for, for these two to get together. And they got a lot in common. So the ties between Rick Warren and Murdoch go beyond the spiritual. Murdoch also owns Zondervan, the company that published Rick Warren's explosive bestseller, the Purpose Driven Lie, I mean Life, sorry. And HarperCollins, he owns HarperCollins too, which publishes the Satanic Bible, which actually owns Zondervan. Did you know that? Yeah, the, the same company, HarperCollins, that owns Zondervan, which publishes, you know, their Bibles, Zondervan, and all of their, the, the Purpose Driven Lie, Life, and all of their other Christian books, also owns the Satanic Bible. So it's the same same publisher, essentially. And they also have all kind of like gay how-to manuals that HarperCollins publishes and all kind of other slutty, smutty stuff that they put out. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, yeah, if you had something Zondervan, you might want to think twice about keeping it under your house. Um, so in a 2012-2006 Orange County Register story, Warren was asked about pastoring a man who publishes tabloids featuring topless women. He responded, I don't have to agree with 100% of what another person does in order to work with them on the 20% that we do agree upon. 
Um, wow, Rick, I thought that we're not supposed to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Oh, of course, you you both are of the same belief system. What am I saying? You're both Satan's your God. So, I mean, yeah, I guess what am I saying? And the Bible doesn't apply to you. So, the article also points out Murdoch was among the first patrons to support Rick Warren's five-point peace plan, contributing $2 million. This peace plan is integral to ushering in the one-world New Age religion of the Antichrist. And here, Rupert Murdoch is now going to be the one integral for making sure that we have the Pope being 3D across the world. So, Rupert Murdoch is really at the cutting edge of bringing the religious, the one world religion aspect of Antichrist and False Prophet uh, to fruition. So, this is the kind of person that, that he is. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just post a link to my study here the Rick Warren, Rupert Murdoch, in the PDF for this teaching. Okay, so I just added that in. Now let's go back to this report. This whole thing being um, covered up with them being drugged into court on these pedophile charges, not a word being stated on it out here. Um, out okay, now that's that organization out of Brussels that's bringing up the Pope and a lot of people in the high levels of the Catholic Church on all of these pedophile charges. Uh, they're trying to bring them in to justice on a, you know, on a, almost from a global level, and I, I, I just, I can't believe that the New World Order is going to let that go anywhere, but it is good that they're making that effort to try to do it. Been convicted uh, in this pedophile ring, and Pope Benedict that stepped down for that exact reason. What is unusual about this is they're stating that we'll have two former John Popes here that are being can canonized as saints on April 27th, and Benedict will be there as well, so you will have four saints. Now, this unprecedented double canonization event will be produced by 3D, by the Vatican, CTV, like I said before, partnering up with Rupert Murdoch. The Say again, what a match made in hell. Now again, this is unprecedented, they're going to canonize all these former uh, devil popes, and they're going to do it in 3D. It's like they're going to be there, but they're going to be there like in 3D. And then what they're going to do, they've got, I think, three or four different cannons, they're going to holographically put them in, and they're going to shoot them out of these cannons. Like they have it like the circuses, and that's how you get canonized. So, and anyway, sorry, just a little humor there. Ceremony will also be beamed into 3D movie theaters across Europe, into North and South America. In what is being touted as the first convergence of HD, 3D, and 4K technologies for such a high-profile multimedia 3D event. I mean, this is going to be huge. At a press conference at the Vatican, um, they said that live transmission will require more satellites than the Sochi Olympics. Are you kidding? Now, Pagano underlined that the Vatican decided to offer this to the world in 3D in order to give the people who would want to attend but cannot, you know, for many reasons, not being able to get there, uh, the full experience. So this production will use 13 3D cameras positioned in spots that will give a unique and exclusive vantage point of St. Peter's Square. The HD feed will be carried by 100 broadcasters. And the 3D TV feed will be beamed into Italy, the UK, and Germany on Sky. Now, 
they're saying that they're proud of this. Obviously, this is going to be huge, huge, the biggest of its kind, unprecedented. And more than 100 movie theaters in Italy will be screening this in 3D, which will also beam it into theaters around the world for free. They really want everyone in the world seduced and into this. They are broadcasting this worldwide in 3D, the biggest technology. This is like trying to make a huge statement at the same time ignoring everything else. They're about to get the whole world locked into a trance with this, I'm warning you. Now, they're saying roughly 5 million pilgrims are expected in Rome for the event, which will see four popes united in St. Peter's. Given that the Vatican is confirmed, the Pope Benedict will attend. So there you have it. April 27th, they're going to broadcast it across the world in 3D for free. And they're saying four popes. I don't know if they're going to show them the other two popes in 3D, like simulations. This is fitting to be very interesting. I will leave a link. Yeah, absolutely, that's what they would do. I mean, it doesn't make sense any other way. Link in the description box, multiple links. And as always, I will keep you updated as I get more information. But as I want to give a fair warning, the things that I've seen come thus far out of Pope Francis have not been good. You've seen the release of the doves with the Ukraine children that were shredded to pieces instantly, and you've seen what's happened in the Ukraine since. Bad omens. And, wow. Alright guys, this has been Dabu7. Okay, so we got that coming up. That's on the 27th. Um, so, sure, the Catholics are going to be going nuts over that one. I would really like to... to you know, I, I don't, it's probably going to be some long, drawn-out whatever. I, I'd like to see, you never know when they're really going to try to start doing supernatural things on a global level. And to me, what or what appear to be even supernatural, it could be faked. To me, this would be a really golden opportunity to kind of test out, beta test, some of their most cutting-edge technology. And then you do it in conjunction with maybe they would do stuff with... Uh, frequencies like Scaly or Harp or mind control things through radio waves or cell phones or, or all of these different you know towers that they've got this grid that they've created, um, particularly in America, and how that might be able to put somebody into a trance-like state so they would be more open to deception. This may be things like this are probably going to become more commonplace so that they can beta test these things and see how well their propaganda works um, or their false technologies, then coupled with devils and demons uh, with all of that. So you've got all of these different things working together for the same goal of bringing about the New World Order and ushering in, ushering in the, the false prophet and the Antichrist. And so I, I, I don't know. I think that that could potentially be something really, really, really big to kind of be on the lookout for. So I'm going to go ahead and end part two here, and um, we're going to go to part three next. So God bless you, and we'll see you in part three.